0: Height Zone World, episode 103, featuring Mike Mike Riley. Riley. Let's go in.
1: (sighs) Height Zone World, we're back. This is going to be a very short, unedited catch-up with Mike Riley. He's got a lot of stuff in the works, which you're going to hear all about. Also... My album, my new album "Mind Moves the Mountain," comes out this week, Tuesday, so I'm gonna play two songs from it on this podcast um, to let you know the deal and my release show is Friday the twenty eighth at the Crown in Baltimore. All right, as always, we're being hosted by Splice Today. Let's, Let's go. Let's go. Let's go.
0: Turn the cream slow, pull the shades drawn. Everyone's awake, make the ground shake, move it till the dawn. I've been in a daze, trudging half speed, running through the mud. Now I feel the lightning, let it run right through my blood. I'm the world's oldest man. flag down, telescope is aimed. Staring at the void, watch the asteroid burst into flames. flames. Cutting through the stride, there's a path I gotta stomp. Time is ticking down, gotta pull the gold out from the swamp. I'm the world's oldest man. I've been on the move ever since time. man I've been on the moon ever since time began
2: Alright, I'm in the throes of a Kickstarter campaign Um... And to to fund the first run of this comic book that I just finished, it's a 38-pages story that I set in a medieval painting by Hieronymus Bosch uh, called The Garden of Earthly Delights. I'm finding that guy asked me, like, they always ask you, what's the elevator pitch? Like, if you want to tell me what this comic's about in, yeah. in like, a minute, <laughs> how would you do that? And I always say, I always start with, do you know Hieronymus Bosch's painting The Garden of Earthly Delights? And if they do, then I, <laughs> it's easy to do. My, that's my pitch, basically. It's a dude delivering a package, and he ends up in that painting. Yeah. But if someone's not familiar with the painting, then it's like an eight-minute elevator pitch. So, um, It's a medieval painting with hundreds of people frolicking naked. Uh, it's three panels. And the first panel is uh, the Garden of Eden, where it's Adam and Eve and God the middle panel is just people going buck wild riding imaginary animals and no clothes anywhere um people swimming and st- <laughs> sticking things and and then the last <laughs> panel is hell and um so my story is just regular everyday modern day dude that's delivering packages he's got one last delivery to make on a friday and he ends up—it's an address he's not familiar with. He ends up off road, and he ends up traveling through all the scenes in this painting, uh, and ends up making the delivery in hell ultimately. <laughs> right. Uh, so, so that's the book. I'm doing my first Kickstarter. It's been nerve-wracking. It's been real interesting. Yeah. Um, like <laughs> I kind of, I kind of was hoping that. Like, a lot of people push them out. Like, like I know a lot of people that work their social network and they fund projects regularly with it. And I've always wanted to wait for a special project, something right. that I thought would... I thought that I would have built up a lot of equity with people that follow my work so that, like, I don't ask for much <laughs> from my readers. I put out a lot of stuff. Yeah. And, was, and uh, they did, it, like, showed up big time, and then it kind of, like... And I think this is how all, what I'm hearing from people is that the middle two weeks are slow, but that's where I'm at. I'm, like, trying to, trying to, I'm doing things that I never thought I would do. Like, uh, stuff that I always thought was tacky on Twitter and stuff. Like, hey, did you see this? <laughs> like, asking like individuals. Like, I, I, like I'm like i just tweeting at people, like, that I kind of know. I was like, oh, did you see this? <laughs> like, you might, you might dig this. Oh, okay, yeah. And I'm, like, fishing for retweets, but... Respect. <laughs>
1: yeah,
2: like like the time frame is what makes it really weird like i i'm i've always but something I, like i've learned like i've always been like i put something out if people see it they see it um like you can't you can't tell who's seeing what yeah so i just assume that i'm not going to put something up three times um because that would be irritating but what I've learned is when I'm putting things up multiple times, like my I'm getting more reactions and my followers are growing and things like that, where just the activity, even if it's the same thing, for some reason is gener- generates more interest. so
1: yeah, i I think like in my opinion, I think all social media would benefit by artists and musicians talking more about what they're doing and i know that's i know there's people that would like groan when they hear that but like to me it's like i really don't like want to really know what people are like eating for dinner or like all this other <laughs> stuff they talk about and i really really want to know what's going on with the music you know but i th-
2: i think you're one of the more reserved when it comes to that like when you have something it seems like you hit it once or twice or like it doesn't seem like you like I should do more
1: repetition. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, I feel I feel like I'm doing so much yeah. repetition, yeah. but um, but maybe not.
2: Yeah, because I've always been like a post it once. Yeah. And the, the funny thing is, like <laughs> like I have these friends that do it, and I've had that same attitude. Like I really want them to do well. Like when yeah when I have friends that are going for a Kickstarter or something and i like i think carefully about when's a good time to share this so that the most people will see it and it'll benefit them and um and then i'll like i'll throw it up once <laughs> and now like now like uh, i have friends that i've done that for that are like hitting me up like every time i post something they're sharing it and yeah my friend dave in particular who i collaborated with on commuters um is going hard for me <laughs> and uh and it's, like, I'm rethinking my approach, like, like I haven't been as helpful as I could be to my fellow comic creators. Okay. Like I've always tried to share their stuff and, and support them, but, like, I, I don't think it hurts to, to be a little more vocal about that stuff. Right. Like, my nature is to not draw, like, I I want I want a lot of people to see the work, but I don't want to, like, I'm not, like, a hey, look at me type of person. Right. And I think... Because of algorithms and because of the way people use stuff, like, spotty throughout the day, like, it doesn't hurt to, to be a more active and
1: more uh, loud about yourself. Yeah, totally. Like, and I I think people want to feel like they're, they're, like, seeing your, like, adventure that you're on or something.
2: Yeah, I love, like, I love, uh. I love, uh I got some people that I follow on Patreon. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't seen a lot of musicians on Patreon. I'm sure they're there. I'm just... Yeah. I haven't encountered it because I'm looking at the comic stuff. But I have friends that post their sketchbook pages, like, from... Like, once a week, they'll throw up, like, here's shit I doodled. (laughs) Yeah. like, Like, that's as interesting to me as we're seeing the process, seeing, like, the... The mistakes and all as a creator that's just as interesting to me
1: Uh, yeah and and like i don't know if you remember when it's like i guess like a year and a half ago where like i had like an epic car breakdown yeah and everything it was kind of like i remember like being like Putting like something on Facebook up not even thinking about it at all, but just being like, Here's what's going on. Yeah. I remember if anybody a lot wants of to like <laughs> hit up this band camp to help ease these costs, like that would be tight. And it was like just like an incredible amount of support. And it's like that's it's kinda different because 'cause I'm in like a bad situation and it's kinda like charity or something, but like it kinda made me realize how like I don't know, like, being vulnerable and being like, I need this money is like, kind of like what people want to respond to the most, or Mm -hmm. something. And again, like, my thing is an extreme situation, but it's like, I think, like, in some ways that people feel, it's more personal than if, if... I was like, the tour is going incredibly well. Like, get, you know, get down with the records before they all sell out or like something like that.
2: Yeah.
1: Well, it's fun
2: because I kind of, um, you should do that for the new one. You want me to let the air, air out of your tires? <laughs> oh, shit. Um, yeah. So I, f- I feel like, like Kickstarter, I've seen, I've seen all like lots of different people people approach it differently. And it it does seem like a charity at first glance. Yeah. And I think for, for comic books in particular, where you're doing a physical print run, like it's ready, but for people to have one, you, you need that money up front. And it's kind of how I've been presenting it. Like I don't want, I got people that have gone on there and just thrown money in. And I was like, I like really appreciate it. It's helping me to my goal, and, I, and I'm like, I'm want to give them the book anyway if I <laughs> if I see them. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of like that. I feel weird about that. Like, like, uh, and you can do a dollar, and like a lot of people like highlight that, like, do a dollar for nothing, and I, I kind of would. I try to not present it that way. Like, here it is. You, I'm actually giving you a lower rate on the book, and um, other people are like. Like, they're asking, I've seen people have a comic book, like a regular comic book that you pay $4 for at the store for $10 plus shipping to get it going, and, like, I'm trying to to uh, go as far the other way as I can, like, to, to not lose money, but to kickstart it, just, just thinking of it as a pre-order.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, which I think it is, like, yeah. I just feel like that's how... Like, it seems like so many things are, like, in the visual medium that's, like, almost become, like, the only way to, to do it now or something. Yeah, yeah. even the big publishers, sometimes they get heat for
2: it, but, like, some of the big publishers are, are, do projects that way. With, yeah. Uh, and, um, and then I've seen them, like, have to pull it because so much bad, like, flack for mm. it online. Um, Like you're established you've got all these distribution venues and you've got presumably you've got capital from selling all these books that we've been buying for years so why would you hog up this platform
1: (laughs) (laughs) can you can you break down that um, these interactions you've been having with the the guys in Holland
2: oh yeah Um, so I, there's a couple, like, Hieronymus Bosch-centric Twitter accounts where they just tweet pictures of his art, things like that, and, um, so I was, like, every night for the last two weeks, I've been going to sleep and, like, just saying, like, you might be interested in this, tweeting at them, and, like, I hit them up real early, and, um, or I hit them up one day, and then, like two days later I woke up and my, my ats my mentions were like all in Dutch. <laughs> I was like, what the heck is going on? And like, I was, luckily there's a translate tool when they were all telling people to back. It was like a couple people bouncing it around, like not a ton, but it was like five or six people talking yeah. about the project in Holland. And, um, so like, I thanked the guy that kicked it off and, uh, and he start he asked me to follow him so he could instant message me and long story short he is a painter and a writer and he works in Hieronymus Bosch's studio that still exists as a working studio 500 years later in Holland Great. and he works there and he wrote a like a scholarly book about Bosch and he wanted to it, it kind of—I haven't heard from him in a while. Yeah, <laughs> like he said, he was gonna bounce it off his publisher that he that he did his book through, and that he thought it would do really well over there. But he was asking about licensing it if I'd be into that. I was like, yeah, keep me from having to figure out international shipping. <laughs> oh yeah, because <laughs> I had to I had to bail on that. But, oh, just not make it available to yeah, people I'm like doing that. the digital overseas, but I couldn't like it's too it's too many variables <clears throat> it's like like the cheapest I could find to Holland was twenty two dollars for a thirty eight page soft cover book seem I don't know if it would be worth it to deal with custom I think you have to fill out customs paperwork yeah. and, and everything so uh' a one man operation i wasn't wasn't ready for it,
1: <laughs> but you can can't you do it so it's like it's just like. Different postage charge for every country.
2: Yeah. Well, my problem, my hesitation was in researching the postage. Was I felt like I could mess it up real easy. Like I used the <clears throat> their online tool. Yeah. And it like it was like a flat rate was twenty two dollars, and then the next level was sixty dollars, and it was <laughs> and right. If right. I show up and I've got it like taped twice and and then I find out that it's cost 60 more dollars like it could kill like I know a lot of people that have done comics that got killed on international shipping like they weren't expecting it and something like a slight miscalculation or like unless you go through and do every country um, separately then you've like if you just do one rate for overseas then you can really get you can get in trouble so I decided that for the scale of my project I wasn't gonna mess with it. And then if, if it was like blows up or I get a lot of interest from other areas, then maybe I run it again. Yeah. And target those people. Um but for this run I was just like, this is my first one. I don't wanna have uh delays and not come through with what I promised I was gonna yeah. come through with so I I kept it simple. That's what's up. The Kickstarter is kck.st. Is that a forward slash? 2 Z- two O N nqwsc Or you could go to Kickstarter and search for Deliver. It's like yes. the third, third one down.
1: Oh, yeah, and it got... Wasn't it... Didn't Kickstarter itself highlight it as like a...
2: Yeah. Thing? I'm not sure. That doesn't... I don't know how that's paid off yet, but they, it's a proje- project we love. Where like when they first put it up, they like uh, they um, review them daily. They look through the new projects and and they kind of highlight ones that they are think are put well put together. I got that out of the gate, so I think like I've looked at the metrics. Like they have tools to show you where backers found it, and there's been a there's been a bump there. I'm hoping there'll be more. Uh, I think it'll they'll raise it up as it gets closer to finishing. I think they kinda of bubble up to yeah. feature them more. The as other ones awesome. close out, so I'm hoping that will help. And then the, the craziest one was uh it was like a Wednesday afternoon and I had the it was the third day. I had a good first day where every all my friends hopped in. Um and then like second day was a still some of that started to curve off. And then the third day I was driving to lunch and I got like, I have the app where I get a notice and it just started blowing up. And, um, like, and it was names. I didn't like, it tells you the name of the backer. And it was like, nobody I recognized. And, uh, later that day. So basically I did 15% of my project got funded in like an hour, like while I was at lunch. Right. (laughs) I was like, and I couldn't, Anyway, I searched on Twitter that later that afternoon and found that Neil Gaiman, who's, uh, I mean, he's won every award there is for writing comic books, and um, he's written hundreds of comic books and television shows and movies, and he had shared the project on his Twitter feed. So I wasn't tagged in or anything, it was just straight from Kickstarter. But I mean, in that, and he tweets a lot, so I, I kind of got buried. But in that, just that quick tweet to 2.55 million people it was like, like, bam! My project was like, kickstarted for real.
1: <laughs> That's awesome, man. I that wonder was, how he even got wind of it. Uh, I think I might have tweeted
2: at him like <laughs> late at night <laughs> when I was researching. There was quotes like a lot of the research when I started the book. I the idea was to not research the painting just to look at it feel it and just like um riff off of the image like what what could these people possibly be up to with these strawberries in this (laughs) this lagoon and uh but then i worked on it for so many months that i couldn't help but like getting into like the history like and people's interpretations of it and uh you know, Gaiman's quotes were coming up from time to time, talking about, like, what a weirdo he was. And so I, I tweeted at him, like, 2.30 in the morning. Um 30. Said, uh, with his quote, and just Adam, him. And so he, I guess he went in, looked at the project, and shared
1: it. That's cool. Awesome. Well, I guess we could get into our wild card topic, which you hit me with, which is... um this uh Stanley Kubrick conspiracy.
2: Yeah, there's a guy's name is Rob Ager, A G E R. He's my favorite YouTuber. He uh, maybe not my favorite YouTuber, but he's uh he's a film analyst. Mm. He makes movies I've never seen any of his movies, but he he goes in I mean, I've watched I've watched more hours of him talking about like the Shining is my probably my favorite movie ever. Yeah, and um, I've watched it many times. Try not to overdo it uh, so that it stays special. But um, I've watched it a bunch of times, and I always spot something new every time I go through it. And uh, but this guy <laughs> has gone like deep. Like he's done probably like ten, fifteen hours of analysis of <laughs> mm. Kubrick's. Of that movie and 2001. Um, and he, and the Kubrick's gold is the... Rob Eger Kubrick's gold would be the search keywords. And he... Uh, where he goes into differences between the Stanley... Or Stephen King's novel and Kubrick's movie. And the significance of them. And including like analyzing the pictures on the walls of the hotel and Matching right. them up to historical figures, and that it's like a banking gold conspiracy theme. Right.
1: <laughs> Does he get on in uh, in that room two thirty seven movie? No, I think okay. he turned them
2: down. I think he knew <laughs> that they were the, the angle they were taken. Like, look how naughty
1: I, these people. I are. had I had actually had to bail like halfway through that movie, but but it, it just like I didn't feel like it was like that. I. I are you, but you did. Yeah, I um, I enjoyed it. I liked it a lot. But I do
2: think I would like to see a, a more serious take. Like I felt like they started to highlight the zanier like, theories. Like I think it was zany heavy for right, the people right, that right. like that poster of the guy skiing. It looks like a minotaur. It's like hey, right. It looks like a poster of a guy skiing. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and like I think like they they had. I, I think you could do a serious film about analyzing it um, I, I don't have any problem with that movie I like it but I think I'd like to see one that was less about look how goofy these people are and more about look how crazy this movie is
1: but it's like I don't know I kind of like I'm not, I'm not hating but like these theories kind of drive me nuts like <laughs> cause it's like I feel like that's, like, one of the best movies ever, and it's just, like, so rich in that way where, like, every scene is, like, you walk... They walk into a room, and it feels like the craziest dream you've ever had. Yeah. And it seems, like, so deep with, like, meaning. It kind of drives me crazy when people are, like, oh, what it means is this thing I... I'm already thinking about. It. Like, I, I believe in, like, the gold standard. So, like, this is about the gold standard. Yeah, absolutely.
2: <laughs> absolutely. The guy the guy is... He definitely does that. I mean, people can watch it for themselves and see that. It, like, I, I think he... I think he hits some very interesting things. Yeah. But, uh, but then he hits, like... Like, I probably would have included him in that movie 237. because yeah. Because he hits a lot of stuff where it's like, what me of uh Pizzagate. Like, like right, <laughs> I'm talking right, about right. that a little bit. It reminded me of that where you've got a lot of pieces of information that if you decide to line them up this way starts to starts to paint a scary picture. It's like, but you're doing that. <laughs> like it's yeah. not reality. It's you here. <laughs> and I think like his gold theory, I think that Kubrick probably intended something. Maybe he even intended a statement on that, like, with the gold walls that weren't in the book. And But, like, he takes it to an extreme, where he's saying he's looking at the, the picture of the guy who they photoshopped uh, Nicholson's head on in the black and white picture on yeah. the wall. He's, like, looking at the original photo without Nixon... Or without Nicholson, and, st- and like matching that guy up to a real life person, yeah, like the Secretary of Treasury or whatever. And I was like, well,
1: that's not even in the movie. Like, what Wait. are you doing? You're I off the I, rails, dude. I, I just think it kind of has to do with like, like I feel like in my life, I was just exposed to a lot of crazy performances and art and stuff at an early age. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I remember being like, well, what does this mean? And then sort of like the consensus being like, oh, well, it just means like whatever you want it to mean. You, you know? And yeah. I I think there's people like, I don't know about, about your man, but like the, the Pizzagate people, I just think it's people that have only been involved with like video games okay. and like mountain dew and like like everything is like so basic yeah. and, and straightforward and it's like nothing could be yeah. creepy or scary or compelling or dark without being like a, a special clue for you or something
2: or yeah. or a bigger budget <laughs> like like if it's presented that way. Oh, I mean, you like, are you talking about like the performances at uh, the restaurant that they were sharing? Like, yeah. This is yeah. sinister. Yeah, I thought that too. Like You watch it and it's a creepy little clip. It's if like, it's but I've been to like shows. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've, been to, I've been to that show six times and I know that those, not that particular band but I know people where they're maybe exploring even something who knows, like experiences that they had and they're, that's how they're working it working through exactly it. like I went down a, a twitter hole and started uh following different things like, <laughs> like like I kept an eye on it for like two weeks I was <laughs> right, like right, what right, in? Right. like these people were. they were there was people that were gen- they, they believed it they were genuinely upset yeah. losing their shit if it was true I could understand why they were losing their shit but but the things that they were using to convince themselves it was true, it's like, yeah, they're tying tying a lot of strings together from real far apart. And <laughs> right. I mean, that's conspiracy theories in general. That's what people are going with. Like, you can line up lots of things that seem to make sense that have nothing to do with each other.
0: Navigate a little better, another path of the pitfall. No horizon in view, another back of the brick wall. But I do it, it would never cost everything that I could ever want. Uh, little rubber to the road, super soul like chicken broth. Long days and a long nights, never thought once a hit pause. All I did was hang on tight, let loose for the ripcord. No watching or stopping, just the ebb and flow. There's always work, and so it goes. No bad.
1: Thanks again to Mike. See you next month.